I would ask that we turn to Psalm 143. So way back in the Psalter, Psalm 143, and just a couple of verses there. And uh, two in particular, I've been meditating on verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 143, but I think to appreciate those, we kind of have to start in verse 1 of Psalm 143. And um, Psalm 143 is a psalm that describes a time of pretty intense tribulation in David's life. And in this he is, we're going to find that he's praying in verses 5 and 6, it appears, for the presence of God to be made manifest. He's praying not for deliverance, although that's, that's in here. His primary priority way to pray is to pray for the presence of the Lord. And as we are going into a weekend, um, actually we're in the weekend, but as we're going into maybe a, a Lord's Day or into um, a time of intense public ministry, as uh, the Lord's Day would have it, uh, we need the presence of the Lord. We need the working of God in hearts. And so Psalm 143, just track with me as we go through this, and let's pray before we do read verse 1, but then we'll uh, begin in in verse 1. Father, we say with the psalmist, hear my prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord. And we'd ask that as we are before you today, we are we're lined up on the screens and in your presence we're lined up before you uh, we may be sitting or standing maybe some are kneeling but we are all bowing before you before your presence and we're asking not that you hear us because we know that you will although the psalmist asked that you hear our prayer we do pray that We follow the psalmist with that, but also in confidence that you will hear us. We'd ask that you would work in our hearts, even as we look at this psalm, and then work through us as we serve you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the psalmist says in Psalm 143.1, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications in your faithfulness. Answer me, and in your righteousness. I found this very interesting. David appeals to God's faithfulness. Um, God, even though I'm broken, and even though there's tribulation, and even though I'm confused, I know that you are always faithful. And so I'm appealing to you on your faithfulness and your righteousness. So this is really a boldness. He's coming before God boldly. Um, I'm I'm coming to you, God, and I'm going to plea. My plea is going to be in the confidence of your righteousness. You've allowed me to come before you not because of my righteousness, but because of your righteousness and your faithfulness. What a what a bold prayer this is. What a we would even call this a hope filled prayer. Verse two: Do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no one living is righteous. Wow. Well, I spent some time on that this morning. That is so interesting to me. 
we know because of the merit of Christ that we don't approach God in our own merit, but this is pre-Christ, okay? This is not pre-Messiah, but this is pre-incarnate Christ. Um, but he's, he's approaching God on God's merit. I'm not approaching on my merit, but your merit. It's in your sight. No one living is righteous. My, my sinfulness, it's as if David would say, will always haunt me. It's not because of me that I'm before you. And I know that there is no condemnation of me in your sight because of your righteousness, if you will. Um, Even though I'm broken, you love me. Even though I'm sinful, in your sight, no one living is righteous. You love me in your sight, in your presence. I'm loved. Um, Martin Luther called this the Pauline, one of the Pauline Psalms because it reminded him of Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is in, and just, and just look at this. I mean, this is, uh, this is such a, an emphasis on the presence of God in your sight, right before your face. In your person, in your presence, no one living is righteous. So what a what a transparent David we have here, and um, but he but then he turns up the intensity, and he says, verse three, for the enemy has persecuted my soul; he has crushed my life to the ground. So he is not only just just glorying in being able to be in front of God. But now he's just opening his heart and being very honest and very transparent. Um, There is oppression, God, in my life. The enemy has persecuted my soul. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. This is going from oppression to depression if you will. Um, And you may be here. You may be right here with David. Um, I'm in darkness. It's almost like I'm in the tomb. I'm in the grave. I'm in the graveyard. I'm with those that have been dead a long time. God, I don't see any way out of this oppression except you. There is no way. Therefore, my spirit, verse 4, is overwhelmed within me. My heart is within me is distressed. I mean, this is very dark. In fact, the word distressed there means numb. My heart within me is, I, don't, I can't even feel my heart, God. My heart within me is numb. And so this is a, this is a dark picture. But what does David do in the darkness? Verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. What an incredible David we have here. Um, 
I remember the days of old, and frankly, folks, that's what we're doing. I mean, this prayer meeting is built on the platform of remembering the days of old. We're remembering what God has done in the past. We're even remembering a specific revival in New York City, uh, a noon prayer meeting, although it's not noon today, maybe somewhere where you are it's noon. But um, um, I remember the days of old. Um, I remember yesterday. I remember what you've done in the past. I remember the miracles that you've worked. Um, I remember the days. This is what, in the darkness, David says, I'm going to cast my eyes on the things that I know you have done before. Then he says, I meditate on all your works. Think about what the Bible accounts of what David may have even been able to think about. The miracles. We could we could think about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. We could think about Gideon's 300. We could, t- we could think about the feeding of the 5,000. I meditate on all your works. You want to be encouraged in the Lord? Think about the things that he's already demonstrated himself to do. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. Hmm. Walk outside. Look at creation. Look at what God has done. Maybe even think about somebody who has recently trusted Christ as Savior. That's a work of the, of the Lord's hands. And we can be encouraged with what God can do and has done. Um, I'm, I'm struck with the fact that in, even in these verses 5 and 6, we have, um, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you. He is just crying out for the presence of God. He's crying out for the internal revelation of who God is. I spread out my hands to you. That's what we're doing. We're, we're spreading out my hand, our hands to God in prayer. We're asking for the working of the Lord, for the presence of the Lord, even in, even in our congregations as we would gather for worship, even in our prayer time. God, would you fill our times with your presence? We spread out our hands to you. I don't know if you've ever seen this, and I think I've, I've commented on this before. Um. I was in the country. I was in Ukraine. I was in the Crimea area, just to, just north of the Crimea area, and I was praying with a group of pastors. And um, all of these pastors, there were about three or four Americans, I think, and then there were several Ukrainian and Russian pastors. And um, when they prayed, they 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 raised their hands before the Lord as they were praying, and. Um, all of them did this, and I asked them later, I said, what does that mean to you? And they said, well, we're asking for God's blessing or burden. Whatever God sends our way, we accept as from his gracious hand. And then when they said amen, they wiped, they wiped their entire body with the palm of their hands. And they said, we're asking God to fill us with his presence. Blessings or burdens, it's all coming from God, and God, would you fill us? And I thought of that. I spread out my hands to you. God, would you 
manifest your presence in our lives and in our in our ministries. My soul longs not for your power, not for your protection, not for your provision, although those things may be included in this. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. As a dying man cries out for water, I cry out for you. So um, may it be that even today we cry out for the presence of the Lord the sense of the presence of the Lord, the working, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our beings, in our ministries. It's, um, it's empty without that. It's cold without that. It's oppressive without that. But with that, with the presence of the Lord, is fullness of joy. It is, it is God at work, even in dark times. So as we look at our culture, as we look at our weekend, as we look at our ministries, let's long for the Lord like a thirsty land.